This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi there. You're listening to More Than Potential, the podcast. On this show, we talk about mental health, well-being, and self-improvement from a Gen Z perspective. I'm your host, Faith. Hi, guys. I hope you're doing well. Uh, Today's episode is going to be kind of like a recap of previous episodes that I've done on this topic with maybe some updated thoughts and just some things that I've been considering. I did an episode a while back about femininity and hypergamy. I did it with my friend Kiera and it was an interesting conversation. I also believe I did some, I did a podcast episode about black girl luxury. Um, and I just wanted to update some of my thoughts on these topics because there is a new trend that's been out in 2022 and it's called a soft girl and it kind of is very similar to the luxury aesthetic I guess a soft girl era is really just a way to describe women who have been living a life of ease without stress um soft girl era is more so just focusing on relaxation, meditation, and self-improvement. And, you know, I do notice that there's an intersection between the black girl luxury, clean girl aesthetic, and hypergamy group. I feel like these different things kind of intersect at a point, and that point is class, meaning socioeconomic class. Before I get too deep into this topic, I just wanted to express that I really appreciate all of you for uh, following the podcast and supporting me thus far. If you enjoy what it is that I do and you love these episodes, please rate the podcast five stars, especially on Apple Podcasts, and feel free to leave a review. It's so helpful to me to see all of your commentary and your wonderful feedback. It means the world. And as always, you can message me on uh, Instagram. My Instagram handle is at it's more than potential. DM me. I'm always curious to get feedback from you guys and just to hear your differing opinions. Anywho, back to um, the conversation. So the reason why I wanted to talk about the clean girl aesthetic or and well, not really clean girl. Well, it clean girl. Yeah, but mainly the soft girl era stuff is because there's just so much to unpack with this. And I'm noticing that this is a very popular trend amongst black women. As we approach a new year, I think it could be interesting to do like a year in reflection, meaning all the TikToks that I've seen and all the conversations that I've seen unfold on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter. I thought I'd kind of summarize what I'm thinking and feeling so you guys can get a better picture. So before we can start with the present, we have to look to the past. Previously on the podcast, I've talked about the Black Girl Luxury Movement and some of my misgivings around it because I enjoy Black women living luxurious lives and I like the imagery. It's pretty to look at. 
But my problem was always that some of these women have like a mean girl mentality. They were kind of policing each other. They were policing Lizzo, if you remember that whole debacle. And they were kind of showing that not everyone can truly be luxurious. I mean, that's what they were saying. They were saying to us that, oh, you know, luxury can be anything you want it to be. But when people really took that and ran with it, they didn't like it. They didn't want their aesthetic and their image being mixed in with the riffraff and other types of black women that they don't find desirable. You know, I was even seeing a debate back and forth between uh, different types of black women. So you'd have like the black women that are like Jada Wada, who I still to this day don't quite know who she is, but that's neither here nor there. Or like, you know, rapper girlfriends or whatever. You know, the, the, the girlfriends of these famous rappers or the, the guys, the mumble rappers. Yeah. Those women tend to be like baby mamas and they're iced out. They usually have like a streetwear type of aesthetic. They wear urban clothes made by like urban like streetwear brands. There's those women who have the long hair and the lashes and the nails and that that's their look. And then you have them beefing with the clean girl era black women who have the quiet luxury aesthetic who you know have short nails natural looking hairstyles muted colors lots of beige and when they would shoot these clean girl aesthetic types of tiktoks in their homes they would always have like the same penthouse apartment that was north facing and uh, the same types of chairs and furniture, usually beige with a slight hint of bohemian, beige, neutrals, white, everything. And the idea of the clean girl aesthetic is to make your home look as if it's not really lived in. It's supposed to look like it's constantly clean and it never gets dirty. And it's like sterile almost like no one really lives there because the space is so big that some of the rooms in your home or in your penthouse apartment that overlooks New York City or Chicago, it's not occupied, if that makes sense. The whole, that's the whole goal, to, for it to constantly be clean. It's like a blank palette for the TikTok. And these two groups of women were kind of going back and forth with each other because the, you know, the black girl luxury girls were like adopting the clean girl, quiet luxury aesthetic without the brands and without the, the urban aesthetic, right? And so they were saying that they didn't really want to be mixed in with the Ari and Jada Waitas of the world because they felt like they were baby mamas and it reflected badly on their image and reputation. And so this is where it gets interesting, right? Because if we're supposed to want luxury, then everyone's supposed to have luxury and everyone is supposed to make luxury what they want it to be. That was the defense of the Black Girl Luxury Movement. But as Black women started to adopt this, it became a problem because they didn't want to be affiliated with certain types of Black women. And then the conversation is like, so if there's a right way to be a Black Girl Luxury girl and there's a wrong way to do it, what does it mean that all of the black women who um, have been doing the black girl luxury aesthetic correctly, that they all tend to look the same? The same wigs, they love blonde hair. It's like they love beige neutrals. They wear blazers to, to, to events and outside in public places, but they don't work in a corporate office. You know, it's just, why are y'all all the same? And what does this mean, you know? What does it mean if you all look the same and you all adopt the same types of attitudes? 
And it's interesting because when I go on TikTok and other social media platforms and I see the white girls who are most marketable to corporations, they also adopt the clean girl aesthetic. So it seems to me like the black girl luxury individuals who are doing it right, quote unquote, are really focused on the PR and the marketing of black girls being just like white girls and there being no discernible differences. Because I think that that's what they're being influenced by. They want to signal to corporations that they're marketable, that they're trendy, and that they can also get brand deals. And if there's, you know, only one way to do that, then they are going down that path. And if you don't understand why this is the case, I'll put it like this. If you are a corporation, who do you think the social media management teams are? Who do you think the social media managers are? Are they black women? Are they Asian women? No, they're white women. The social media managers for these corporations or the brand managers are white women who are in their 20s because social media management is still a fairly new type of job. So what they're doing is they're getting these little white girls who live a very specific lifestyle to manage whole brands worth millions of dollars. And when they are looking for influencers, these white women are only going to look for influencers that reflect themselves. That's why there's such a lack of diversity when it comes to these brand trips and these influencer deals. They're picking women who remind them of themselves. They're picking other white women with the clean girl aesthetic, other white women who look exactly the same to sell their products. That's why influencing has become very interesting because despite the vast amount of people who are interested in becoming an influencer, the biggest deals go to the same types of people. The $15,000 deals for two TikToks go to the same types of women. The women who have homes that don't look lived in with the modern furnishings and the white furniture that's never stained and never dirty. And they always have a, a husband or a boyfriend and a cute golden, noodle, golden doodle. And they have a, it's like a penthouse apartment or something. Like it's the same thing. Because these social media managers and brand managers are looking for women who are exactly like them. And that could potentially leave out a lot of opportunities for black female influencers. So I feel as though if you're looking at it, if you're looking at it from that perspective, it would make sense that a lot of the, the black women in the black girl luxury movement are like, we need to be this kind of black girl because this kind of black girl who wears blonde wigs and has a certain lifestyle and has the beige furniture with the quiet luxury designer brands. This is what the white girls who are the social media managers at these corporations, that's what they will recognize. Those are the types of black girls who will get the deals, who will get the 20K per TikTok video type of scenarios, right? And I totally get that. Like, I totally get that. But bigger picture, I wish they would have just said that from the beginning, that they're just, in, they're just curious about being marketable to white people. Because they say that it's not about that. They say that it's because black girls need to see themselves reflected in luxury. They say it's about, you know, trying to spread this image of black girls being luxurious. But it's never that simple because it only looks one way to y'all. And when you see black girls who also are luxurious, who also get to have nice things, expensive things, y'all don't resonate with it. You don't like it. You talk badly about it. And when you see a black girl... And there's one girl on TikTok who she wears the same blonde wig. It, I don't like it. But anyway, she wears this blonde wig and she gets, she gets talked about so much because she's trying to adopt the white girl aesthetic. 
but she it doesn't fit her because she's not actually wealthy and you can tell she's not. And so it's really interesting to see her try to adopt this aesthetic that it doesn't really fit squarely on her. And black women were the ones in the comment sections ripping her apart for her blonde wig and telling her that, you know, she wasn't doing a good job at being a black luxury girl. And it's like, to be fair, guys, she's doing everything that y'all are doing. Y'all just don't like the way she looks. Maybe it's her face. Maybe it's her body. I don't know. But it's like y'all, y'all, y'all are like policing and gatekeeping, which black women can get access to that. And I find it so interesting, right? Because like I said, if luxury is whatever we want it to be, that was y'all's defense of the movement. Why is there so much gatekeeping and policing who is given access to those opportunities and who gets to claim black girl luxury? But anyway, like I said, a lot of this comes down to the intersection between these different ideas that are very similar to each other and class, like socioeconomic class. So when um, soft girl era came on the scene, right? And this was this year, it was just black girl luxury rebranded. And maybe the thought process was like soft girl era was supposed to be more accessible because it became very clear that black girl luxury, that hashtag was only meant for specific types and shapes of black women who have very specific aesthetics, right? So maybe soft girl era was a way to embrace different types of people. But I think what's interesting is even with soft girl era, which is supposed to be about embracing this restful period in your life, no one seems to be dealing with the obvious. Like, (laughs) how are you going to be soft if you don't have money? Because, okay, there's one influencer who has tried to take credit for introducing soft girl era and black girl luxury to TikTok. She's like an African black girl or black woman, I guess. And it was so interesting because the vast majority of her TikToks, or at least a good percentage of them, are about quiet luxury. She openly boasts about not using Gucci, Louis, Louis, or Prada those products. She doesn't like the mainstream fashion houses because they're too mainstream. They're too out there. She wants the fashion houses that are very elusive. The designer brands with with the logos that Ari and Jada Weta wouldn't really wear because it doesn't fit their street and urban wear aesthetic, right? Now, this influencer does actually get big brand deals with, you know, old fashion houses like L'Oreal or whatever, whatever. Love that for her. But it's very interesting that it's intentional on her part. Some people call it respectability politics, but I think there's something else there because she boasts about how certain brands, too many black people have them and it drives down the value of that brand. So she, it makes an intentional point to not wear those brands, to not rep, you know, rep certain types of brands or, or images Even when it comes down to the clothes that she wears, everything has to be classy and to the knee, muted colors and tones. It's very, very strategic on her part. And I get that. Like I said before, if she's trying to signal to the white women in these these corporations that she's just like them, then sure, she's a palatable version of the black girl that they would want. You know, if they're going to have a black girl, let it be her. Fair enough. But what's interesting is influencers like this are always talking about their lavish lifestyles and what being an influencer has enabled them to do. And they live a soft life. They don't have to work hard. And there was an inf- this specific influencer was even talking about how she doesn't even do manual labor. She doesn't cook. She doesn't clean. She has personal assistance, right? 
The only thing she does is, is touch money. That's literally what she said. She said, the only thing I do is touch money. All I do is make more money. And I'm like, interesting. That's, that's very interesting. Very, very interesting. And she doesn't seem to understand, or maybe she's pretending to not understand how class plays a role into this. Because how are you advocating soft girl era and claiming that you introduced it to the public square on TikTok? Like you brought these terms to TikTok, right? Supposedly. And you don't understand how soft girl era doesn't really apply if you don't have a rich benefactor or if you're not married or if you're not a wealthy single woman. Do you not think that maybe, just maybe, it's a bit relative to class? Because it wouldn't take anything away from her to admit that it's going to be harder for you to be a soft girl if your life is hard, if you're struggling to pay the bills, if you you know, can't be this soft, dainty, feminine woman because you can't afford luxury brands. You can't afford to go to a spa you know, multiple times a month. Like You, you have to clean your own space. That's why it, your, your, your apartment or your home doesn't look advertiser friendly because your apartment gets dirty. You have to clean it yourself. And what about those young people who don't even live by themselves because they can't afford it? They live in their parents' home. What about them? Do they get to be soft girls? I'm just curious. I'm just curious. But those are the conversations that are never had. And I'm curious. I'm genuinely curious as to why. But let's let's take a step. Let's 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 continue this conversation though, because another thing I've also seen is with the soft girl era stuff, it's become mixed in with the hypergamy content and in a weird way. Like hypergamy content used to be in its earliest forms, like on YouTube, it was always about marrying above your socioeconomic class. These women weaponized respectability politics super heavily to get access to certain types of men. So they were telling each other to go to elite schools, to get elite jobs, to go to country clubs, to go um, with men who had yachts, to go boating or sailing, to pursue certain types of hobbies and interests that a wealthy man would have, right? And I'm not saying that they're wrong to do this because this is nothing new. Like class mobility has always been a topic for women and women, you know, in America have always tried to get the best man possible. So it's not abnormal for women to be giving each other tips on how to attract a wealthy or or a man who makes a lot of money. But it's interesting that it started out advocating for women to get married to a man who has a lot of money. Now it's become something else. Now it's not about marriage. It's about getting to the bag, going to restaurants and bars and freestyling, quote unquote, which is essentially just going somewhere and then like, I don't know, waiting for a man to pay for your stuff. I guess, and they, they typically will try to summon a man over to strike up a conversation with him. And then the man will be so enamored by her that he'll pay for all of her stuff, right? That's freestyling. But it's called that because of sex workers. So sex workers would do this, actually. They would go to affluent hotels and affluent restaurants, usually in a hotel or an affluent bar, and they would be able to get wealthy clients that way. But the hypergamy crowd has co-opted this and has used the, these sorts of tactics as a way to get a man to pay for their rent. And it's interesting because there's young girls who are listening to that 
and they genuinely think that that's how things are supposed to be. I've come across them. They exist. I used to deny this and I used to think that this was just social media rhetoric, but no, I've, I've met a woman like this. She was 28 years old. She wanted to marry a wealthy man. And unlike a lot of these other women on social media who barely have a college degree, and if they do, it's in like social work or something, this woman was an accountant at a top four, a big four accounting firm. And she had a prestigious job, right? Obviously. And I would say that she does go to certain types of events. Good for her. But... It was interesting that her expectation was for a man to take her shopping when he first knew her. And when I say shopping, I mean Saks Fifth Avenue. I mean to the, the, the stores, like on, on Rodeo Drive or something. You know, like she wanted a man to really drop some coin on her. She wanted a man to pay for her rent and without really knowing her very well, because if he didn't pay for her rent and didn't put her up in a nice home or or a nicer apartment that he didn't really love her. And when I tried to tell her that a man's not going to do this unless he's marrying you, her response was, I know, you know, and that's why I'm going to get married within six months of knowing him. And we're not going to have sex and we're not going to be boyfriend and girlfriend. We're going to go from meeting each other to him wanting to date me for a little bit. And then we get married. And I was confused because I said, well, this is not like, this is not an arranged marriage. Like he has to actually date you and get to know you. If you want to be celibate or abstinent, that's totally fine. There's, it's, it's not that common, but maybe there's a man who would do that. But it's kind of hard for you to jump to husband and wife without being a boyfriend and girlfriend. And she was like, no. That's the kind of guy who's going to do whatever, whatever. And I'm like, wait, so you want this man to bankroll your entire life and you just expect that wealthy men are going to do this for you without question, without doing anything, without expecting anything in return. And she was like, yeah, because I'm pretty. So men will do these things for me because I'm pretty. And I was like, girl, I don't know if it works that way. And I kept trying to explain to her that these men, Yes, they can be generous, but a lot of times it does come with strings attached and it's dangerous to assume otherwise. Don't just hop on a plane because a man sends a plane for you. Really think about what he may be expecting on the other side of that. She didn't care because if a man really loved her, he'd spend a lot of money on her. And if this sounds crazy to you, like it's because it is. I was frustrated and confused as to why she couldn't understand and she's older than me. Why this was not practical. But that's the problem. There are these, there's these women who have no real dating experiences and they're taking all this input and this social media stuff and taking it seriously and start implementing it in their life because they want a wealthy man. And they have unrealistic expectations of these men, but they themselves don't really meet any of those real wild expectations, if that makes sense. You want this wealthy man, but you're not wealthy yourself. and You don't come from a moneyed family. So what would he be getting if he got with you? It's not to say that you're not worthy of a good man, but like men typically date within their socioeconomic bracket. So if you have a better chance than some, but still like you're working class and it just reality didn't strike her. And so I'm curious about all of the women who are living or trying to live these soft girl lives, but they're seeing like Carisha and JT and all these black female celebrities get flown out 
and get cars bought for them. And these women are not wives. They're not even really girlfriends. They're in situationships with billionaires. And these, you know, young women are thinking that is goals. They don't, they look down on traditional relationships because they think traditional relationships are for the birds. And when you try to convince them to see reason that if you're going to marry someone, you have to be in a relationship with them first, they don't want to hear it. Because in their mind, a regular relationship where you just date is out of the question. They want lavish, expensive experiences that they would have never had on their own. That is what living a soft life is to a lot of these girls. And it's weird because, you know, you would think these soft girl era influencers would admit that this is becoming a problem, that the mixture of hypergamy and sugar baby culture has created this weird, toxic situation where girls are calling anything a soft life, but they don't really care how they get it as long as they get it. They don't admit that this is a problem, that this is becoming a much bigger issue than we thought. You know, it was bad enough with the hypergamy stuff, but at least hypergamy has always been a concept and these women were aspiring to marriage. You know what I mean? You can still get married to someone who makes more money than you because to be fair, socioeconomic class jumps are relative. What's a big jump for you may not be a big jump for me because of my social standing currently. It just varies. But what these women are doing is like basically becoming sex workers or like sugar babies. They, they're taking a sugar baby mindset and sugar baby mentalities of a transactional relationship and trying to make a man marry them out of it. And they don't understand how that's not the same. Like I've even started to see young women talk about how um, being a wife is basically a glorified sex worker. And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> no it's not what are you saying but they believe it and so I'm saying all this to say that the soft girl era stuff is getting really weird and you know as much as I hate to say it it comes down to a lot of these girls they don't think they have to do anything for the kind of man that they want they think that they should be accepted for who they are and the wealthiest richest man who's six foot should court them you know he has to be devastatingly handsome super tall making all this money and they believe that that man is just going to take them as they are like this is a cinderella fairy tale princess scenario you know what i mean these are the women who want a man of that caliber to be obsessed with them and to be at their beck and call Despite these women being average working class women, most of whom have no proximity to wealth, have no prestige of their own. Um, it's, it's weird, right? And so when you try to point out to them the reality that even a six figure dude making 100K may not think that she's worth the investment because she doesn't have an education or she doesn't have her own career or business or she doesn't really have much going for her. They tell you that you want them to struggle and that you want them to settle. They don't see that men also have requirements. That if you want this soft girl life where you don't work, you can potentially get that. But the downside is that that man becomes responsible for you. And when you give your power over to another person, especially a man, you have to be prepared for him to break your trust. You can't just, you know, it's like, and it's weird too, right? Like this idea that, you know, women in the middle of all this empowerment and after the Me Too movement have suddenly decided that they're overworking. They don't want to work anymore. They don't dream of labor. They don't want to do any sort of thinking critically of their own. They want to be glorified bimbos and let the men do all the, the work for them. And it's part of this larger push 
for the trad wife movement, but it's still weird to me because we're, we are really fighting for our reproductive rights and women are still saying, you know what? It's okay if we don't vote. It's okay if we don't have X, Y, and Z rights. As long as a man takes care of me and I feel comfortable and I, don't, I can just rest. I don't have to be active. I can just be passive and rest in my femininity. Like they don't even acknowledge that it's dangerous anymore. Like everything that all these generations of women have fought for, you know, they fought so that we didn't have to, to sacrifice our agency and well-being to get a man. And y'all are just reversing all of that work just so you don't have to work. It's dangerous and it's weird. It's super weird. And we know where it comes from, financial insecurity, late stage capitalism, the whole shebang, but still it's weird. And, you know, the influencer that I was talking about before, you know, she was upset. She was upset that the soft girl era movement was ruined by people accusing, you know, black women of being sex workers. She was offended, but I wasn't because I see the truth. And I think these black women are so deluded that they don't see, they don't even see it, that what they're suggesting is sex work. The whole concept of a man paying for everything about your life and you're not even married, you're a sex worker. You're a sugar baby. Like this is a service that people provide. And if you don't want to be married, that's totally fine. But most people used to aspire to marriage. But y'all are so delusional and so jaded about relationships that you don't even think a real relationship is worth your time. Now you only care about transactional situations with men. And I just, I think that's very dark. It's very scary. And they don't even understand that the requirements that they have for these men are for people who are sugar babies, not regular women looking for husbands, looking for boyfriends, looking for companionship. You know, and I, I, you know, unfortunately, the younger generation is too young to know any different. They don't have their own dating experiences to decide that maybe this is not the path they should go on. But anyway, the bigger picture here is that class, class is the most important thing. It's not lost on me that educated women like myself who have certain experiences and who actually may have proximity to more wealthier men, we're not the ones talking about soft era, soft girl era and like, you know, hypergamy or black girl luxury. We're not the ones talking about this because we understand that we have to think We have to work. We have to be autonomous people to protect ourselves. We cannot outsource everything. You can't outsource all labor. You know what I mean? You can't rely on a man to protect you from exploitation. It doesn't work that way. You ultimately have to be your own advocate. And the same influencer I was telling y'all about, she was on TikTok crying because she got scammed out of thousands upon thousands of dollars. You know what I mean? Like, would a rich man that you were dating have protected you from that? No, he wouldn't have. You got scammed, sis. It happens. (laughs) And what's more is that, like, considering, and I mentioned, I actually brought this point up a long time ago, but I always get gaslit about this. Even if you are a Black woman who was in the perfect situation 
where you are beautiful, you have more than enough money to live comfortably and do whatever your heart desires. You're married to a successful, wealthy man who's coincidentally not a narcissist and is not aggressive or abusive. He's kind and generous and obsessed with you and he does whatever you want him to do. He's devastatingly handsome, six foot tall with a six pack and doesn't demand that you have his kids to you know reproduce and continue his legacy and his last name oh no 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 he marries you goes against his parents who want him to marry a woman within his class and it's all okay everything works out for you let's just say everything works out for you as a black woman in america even if you live the soft life how protected are you I'm being so serious. It's kind of hard to see black women who live affluent, wealthy lives of influence and they have so much going for them and they're beautiful, they're talented, they're truly in a different class. And even they still get profiled in stores. Even they still have the threat of potential abuse. You know what I mean? Even they go through hardship. They go through risky, you know, bitter divorces custody battles even they end up in situations like Meg the stallion who she was on the cover of forbes this year she made a lot for a female rapper she made quite a bit of money this year and you know what she still got shot and she is reduced to a very public nasty court trial trying to essentially explain what happened even though she was the victim subject to public scrutiny abuse and harassment does that sound like a soft life to you and I'm not here to suggest that it's not important to work towards your goals and, and have a financially stable partner or any of that. Don't gaslight me about what I'm seeing. What I'm seeing is that in our pursuit for individual happiness, we need to remember that like there's a limit to this stuff. At the end of the day, our society is still very dystopian. And if you happen to win the lottery and get everything you ever hoped for, you could still end up scammed out of $22,000 like that black female influencer. You know, the one who says she lives a soft life and she doesn't even do labor anymore. Yeah, she was the one crying about being um, scammed out of $22,000 because a scammer created a fake social media agency to help um, influencers. And he specifically targeted black female influencers on TikTok. Yeah scammed that soft girl life great but you also got scammed you it it didn't protect you from that these weird things that happen in our very dystopian society and i'm like always gaslit when i bring this up but there's limitations to this and i get it right you'd have to be delusional i think part of you know gaining wealth and power is being delusional thinking that you're invincible that nothing could ever happen to rattle you until something does and it probably drives people crazy. I mean, and I'm, I know that's not politically correct to say the word crazy, but it, it's, it's wild. I mean, look at Kanye. Kanye has lost his mind because he always worshipped money. He worshipped fame. And then he got it and he realized it wasn't enough. He wanted the liberty to act like oh, Elon Musk or act like a Donald Trump and realized he couldn't. All his wealth and power, he still had this racial inferiority complex that never went away. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's just so much to this. And don't even get me started about the legal battles that rich people face behind closed doors. 
you know, the, the business maneuvering and the crazy stuff that happens, right? When you acquire more wealth, more can be taken away, away from you. When you get that penthouse apartment, it's a much longer way to fall. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like people don't talk about this because they want to pursue a soft life, a luxurious life away from troubles, away from the daily responsibilities. But to whom more is given, more is required. The more you have, the more you have to protect. You can't get the freedom that comes with money without the responsibility, ladies. And I've talked about this on the podcast before, but, you know, living on my own, just bringing it back to earth where regular people live. (laughs) I have my own spot, but it's a lot of responsibility. No protection, no support. I'm grateful for my boyfriend because he's supported me quite a bit. You know, he's, you want to talk about a soft life? I don't necessarily live a super soft life, but I kind of do. Work from home, cushy, you know, cushy job working remotely that pays more than enough. I don't have a luxurious apartment, but it's a pretty good one, pretty nice one actually. And my boyfriend, if I, you know, been out of job, out of a job and he's helped support me while I'm looking for another one. Some people would say that's pretty soft. <laughs> you wouldn't know it because of how I act, but it's true. Like I I'm trust and believe I could be way worse off. Way way worse off and have been. But at the end of the day, like, it just comes down to realizing that the freedom that I have by having my own spot means that I have a lot of responsibility. I have to pay my bills. I have to pay my taxes. I have to stay on top of all the things that come with the daily management of having a home. On top of, of course, keeping a job. You know, making sure I manage my time and that I'm overperforming at work. Freedom comes with responsibility. And I spent so much time avoiding responsibility, avoiding the things that I knew I had to do because I was afraid to fail. I was afraid to make mistakes. I was afraid of public failure. And there's no way to get around that. But you have to do something. You have to make a living. You have to eat. Our society is very dystopian. Like I've said before, like people go broke every day. Millionaires lose their money all the time. People, you know, gamble in the stock market and lose it all, people make a lot of money. It happens. All you can do is minimize risk as much as possible. That anxiety you feel about becoming an adult is real, and I feel it too. The anxiety you feel about not knowing what's going to happen in the future, what's, what's, you know, the, the feeling of not really being sure where things are going in our country, anxiously looking at the stock market, watching the news, not knowing what's going to happen next, we all feel it. But that doesn't take away from your responsibilities. And even if you were to have this soft life where somebody were able to do everything for you, you outsource all the work, all the responsibility, all the labor. You don't cook, you don't clean, you don't do anything. Your nails are always done. Hair and lashes always done. You look perfect all the time. You still have the mental load. The mental load of running your life like a business. It never goes away. And becoming an adult is realizing that I have to run my life like I run a business. I have to be consistent. I have to be disciplined. I have to do my check-ins. I have to go to the doctor's office and the dentist and everything else. I have to take my supplements. I have to drink water. I have to eat fruits and vegetables. And yes, I have to clean consistently. Hire help if need be. That's what I have to do. Capiche? 
And so I think the soft life, like I mentioned before, the intersection between like soft girl era and the clean girl aesthetic and black girl luxury and all this stuff, the, the point at which these things intersect is socioeconomic status. I have a bougie, prestigious job. And so that reflects in how I do certain things. You know what I mean? Like, I can admit that. I can admit that my bougie, prestigious job certainly is one that provides me a certain amount of income and disposable stuff to do whatever I want, whether it's travel or what have you. But it comes with responsibility. And if I were in a different class of people making only $15 an hour, I can imagine that my lowered stress levels and my you know, disposable income that I use for my mental health and traveling, I can only imagine that I would be not soft. I would be much harder. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, hopefully I'll get what I'm trying to say. I'm not the most eloquent or the most articulate, but I think I'm getting my point across. Um, I can imagine my life would look very different and has. When I was down on my luck, when I got laid off, I had to get a part-time job. I had to work, you know, making $12 an hour, trying to pay rent, trying to keep up expenses. And it was stressful. I was exhausted. My boyfriend and I fought way more. (laughs) You know, the only times we really had conflict was when I was broke, (laughs) if I'm being honest with you. So he knew that if he wanted that soft girlfriend, he needed to pay for it. And so he started paying for it and things went right back to normal. All jokes aside, though, I'm being so genuine and so serious. The stresses of paying bills and, you know, not having health insurance or whatever can really weigh on you. So I get that women are coping with their anxiety by, you know, indulging in these fantasies. But we have to wake up. It's a fantasy for a reason. Because it's not real. It's a dream. It's it's, it's a construct. It's, It's not real, you know. But anywho... Um, I I really wanted to also mention when it comes to safety, the idea that we are not ever fully safe. I feel like I was not taught this as a young woman. You know, the idea as, as a woman that you're constantly feeling unsafe. You constantly feel like you're in danger. A black woman, even more so. Constant feeling of, un- of lack of safety. Whether it's at your corporate job or whether it's in your home or just walking to the grocery store or you're just, you know, you know, running errands. That lack of safety, I will never get used to. When I was a young girl, I did not feel this unsafe all the time. I felt unsafe in my own home, but like that fight or flight never really goes away. That chronic stress that I feel never goes away. And unless I move out the country and move to like Indonesia or somewhere, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be the death of me for sure. I cannot be this stressed out 24-7. And if I leave the country, which eventually I will, that will be my reason. I cannot afford to be this stressed out, to be this constantly worried. This environment of chronic stress and anxiety, feeling unsafe all the time, whether it's from, from people or from entities or institutions that threaten my reproductive rights. I don't ever truly feel safe. And I have a good man and a good job and a good place to live. And, you know, I, for all intents and purposes, I live beneath my means, but I'm actually fairly comfortable. And I can admit that absolutely I don't ever feel safe. I can only imagine what it's like for women who are in much grimier situations. It bothers me. It truly hurts my heart. It hurts my heart that we can't be honest about that. We can't have that conversation without y'all saying that it's because we don't want you to live 
happy lives with the man of your dreams and your luxury home, you know, with your McMansion and your in driving around your luxury car. No one said that you can't do those things. Aspire to that if that's what's really in your heart, but don't 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 take that to mean that you're going to feel safer. Because there's always going to be threats to your existence as a black woman, whether it's legal battles, whether it's people trying to physically attack you, the death threats you get online, whatever, you know, whether you're working in the corporate space and there's people colluding to try and ruin you and try to edge you out the company, whether you run your own business and there's customers trying to, you know, drag you out in lawsuits. Do y'all not understand? This is what being a grown adult woman who is not in a fantasy, that's what it's like. That's what it's like, and everyone feels it. It's not just you. That pressure, everyone feels it. We just cope with it the best we can. In terms of self-care, one of the things that I do from a self-care perspective is I only invest in things that bring me joy. So I don't, the reason why my apartment's kind of bare is because I'm still trying to learn this principle. So eventually I will get rid of this couch and get a a new one, a brand new one, one that I love that sparks joy in my heart. And I'm only going to invest in things, including a potential new apartment that brings me joy, like genuine joy in my life. I want to invest in those things, even though I know it's going to cost a lot of money to, to, you know, do maintenance and upkeep and take care of it. Another thing, invest your time in experiences and not necessarily material things. And I know black girl luxury, I know the concept of like buying these nice things and you see all these beautiful black women driving their luxury vehicles and living in their penthouse apartments and they always have these designer bags and stuff and they have a whole collection. It's not that there's anything wrong with that, but those things do not equal happiness. They don't equal contentment. They don't. When you acquire more stuff, that's more stuff you have to take care of. That's more stuff you have to clean. Think about it like an obligation, an investment. You may not pay for it up front, but eventually you'll have to recoup on that. Does that make sense? So all the things that you refuse to do now, all the things that you pay for, and it may not seem like a lot right now, but it adds up later, right? Um, So I would just say consider that. Consider the bigger picture. Sometimes it's better to invest in experiences instead of those nice things. Instead of that $3,000 bag, how about you just go on a vacation to an exotic location that you've never been to before? Go hire a travel agent and have them plan the whole trip for you. You know what I mean? Instead of spending money on, um, I don't know, something stupid, and buying a bunch of beauty products you don't need, it's okay to wear just a, 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 a $100 synthetic wig and use the same beauty products that you have because they haven't expired yet. And the money that you're saving from not buying every new beauty product in, that you, you are, that's advertised to you, you could spend that on a gym membership, right? Instead of spending money on things that don't count, maybe get a naturopath to help you find natural organic ways to reduce your stress and better your health. Maybe invest that money in going to um, get better produce. So yeah, you may not be rich and you may not have the nicest, nicest, fanciest stuff, but you have great produce, better food, better quality food. I invested in a freaking water fountain and water delivery service because I wanted my water delivered to me fresh crisp water 
You can't beat it. I don't drink tap water. I don't have a designer bag, but I got nice tasting water. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just saying, like, some things are luxuries. And I feel like when you invest in yourself, in a career coach, in a mentorship program, in better food, a naturopath, your life will increase. You'll be so much happier. You don't have to wear your wealth. Health is wealth. Good friendships, people that you can trust. Even wealthy people don't necessarily have good friends sometimes. So if you can find you two good friends that got uh, a head on their shoulders, a good head on their shoulders, and they're not crazy, and they're not trying to press you to spend more money than you have, I think you you in a good position. And a lot of people don't even have that. Family. If you got good family members, that's not crazy. You're in the minority. A lot of my family members crazy. I don't like them. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, think about what really matters in life. Investing in, in saving money, right? Um, these are things that really matter. Really, truly, really, truly matter. Um, I think it's a different type of luxury to be able to afford things that make you feel better on the inside and out and that things that make you feel safer. If that means getting a mouse couture, so be it, you know? <laughs> if you got to pay extra money to live in apartments that have like a doorman and like heightened security, then do that. Get you a little ring um, security thing on your door so you can actually have a security camera and see when people approach your front door. Like, I'm just saying, these are things that I would do before getting a luxury bag. <laughs> There's just some things that are more important, y'all. <laughs> so anyway, um, hopefully this conversation makes sense. Hopefully it was helpful. And, you know, this is just a way to get the conversation started about what being a soft girl is, you know, what the nature of safety is, how safe do you really feel? And I didn't even get to the whole, you know, thing with romantic partners about how the person that you partner with is often the most likely person to attack you or physically harm you. So we're not even going to get into that. That might be a whole separate conversation, but you know what I'm trying to say. So if you like this podcast and you enjoyed, you know, what, what it is that we're talking about, please DM me and give me your thoughts. I would love to hear it. And as of always, if you guys have a topic that you want me to cover, definitely let me know. I'll get on that. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. I'll talk to you in the next one. Bye.